Welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. Going to talk to you this evening about portals, vortices, and the supernatural. So had a uh, fantastic series debut uh, the other night with the Alaska Triangle, uh, which my part of that really has to do with uh, the portal and vortex activity that is up there. Um, basically, they they found the producers of the show found us through one of the Haunted Road Media uh, YouTube uh, channel videos. Almost stumbled over myself there, uh, and uh, that actually talked about portal activity. And so uh, that's why I went up there to talk about it. I also had spent like three years up there when I was stationed in the Air Force. So we're going to get into all of that. And uh, again, I really do appreciate all of those that are down there in the the chat room. And have to do this real quick. So this episode of Beyond the Shadows is brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. Or in tonight's episode, helps you hunt portals or vortices or whatever you want to be talking about. So we're going to be talking about a lot of that sort of stuff. So I wanted to go ahead and start off with the uh, Alaska Triangle stuff, kind of because um, that's the big thing that happened the other night, right? And again, I really appreciate everybody's support of that. You guys were sharing that stuff out like crazy. So many of you watched it. Um you know, and those that didn't get to watch it that night or watching it the next day, and I really appreciate that. So I will be on again uh, this coming Sunday, February 16th, as well as March 1st. So in the way they're doing it, um, Travel Channel decided to basically combine two episodes into one each night. So instead of 10 one-hour episodes, you're getting five two-hour episodes. But then if you go to a streaming service after the fact, like Amazon or Vudu or something like that, then they have a broken out into the individual episodes again. So a um, little bit of a different format. Um, I'm not going to give away like too many like spoilers or secrets or anything like that coming up. Um, that'd be unfair to the show, of course. But um, I can go ahead and talk about what's already been aired. And that was the Missing Douglas episode. And in the second half of that particular show, when they started getting into um, you know, particular uh theories about whether uh, extraterrestrials had been involved or perhaps the thing had been lost in a portal. That's kind of where I came into it. So um, they had like Jeremy Ray from MUFON come in and talk about uh, the extraterrestrial aspect of it, which we're going to have him on uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole coming up. Um, they had, when it came to the portal stuff, they had Johnny Enoch on there as well as myself. Uh, we're also going to have Johnny on. And uh, so... What's interesting about this, and for those that don't know about this missing Douglas airplane, so um, this happened many years ago um, during the Cold War, and so of course there were suspicions about uh, activity with the Russians as well, uh, but basically this plane was just like totally lost. Um, there were over 40 guys, uh, military personnel that were on this plane, it was never found, still have not found it to this day. Um, the, the radio transmissions were just lost. And they have no idea what happened to it. It just completely disappeared. No crash site, nothing. Um, thousands were sent out to go try to find this. And nobody ever did. There were some interesting um, moments there where there seemed to be some radio chatter that they were picking up uh, for a little while. It was hard to make out. And then it just kind of disappeared. So... Um, yeah, Victoria, it is streaming on Amazon. If you go to Amazon Prime, um, it's not, from my understanding, it's not 
free on Amazon. If even if you have Prime, you, you have to pay for the episode, but you can get it on Prime. You can get it on Vudu, um, and then those that have other services like Hulu, Sling, um, YouTube TV, you can actually watch that live and uh, and DVR it there. So that's basically what I did: is YouTube TV, DVR it, and then um, I also grabbed it on Vudu so that I could have a copy of it forever. So. Um, so I thought I saw somebody ask about flying to Alaska. Yeah. Uh, Tom McNicholas, did you fly or drive to Alaska? So they flew me up there for that back in May. So, um, when I posted those photos on Facebook of Alaska back in May, and I also did that, um, Alaska haunts video, uh, Back then, around that time, I think I might have released it in June or something like that. Maybe it was the end of May. Uh, that was all from that trip. Um, so there's going to be some other pieces of that coming up here. Um, there's going to be a Friday Night Ghost Frights coming up on the Alaska Triangle. Stuff like that. Again, I can't, I'm not going to divulge stuff that hasn't been released yet on the show. But uh, we'll get into more stuff about the uh, the Missing Douglas. And we'll also get into uh, the Hale Boggs disappearance that... Um, they weren't allowed to cover. Um, my understanding, they didn't tell me specifically why, but I know why. Um, like 99% sure, it's because there was also a state representative um, that had been lost in that, and the family's kind of like had it. I mean, it's been covered before on other shows um, and other newscasts and things like that, and that family seems to have just had enough. They will just want to be at peace now, so... Um, yeah, Tim Schoen is saying that he bought his copy on iTunes. There you go, uh, if you want to catch that episode. So, first of all, I guess the kind of the question is, what in the world is the Alaska Triangle, right? So, that is an area, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Um, and in this particular uh, piece of art here that somebody came up with, they call it the Alaskan Bermuda Triangle, which is kind of silly because Bermuda is not in Alaska. Uh, but it's extremely large, Um the one guy in the show the other night likened it to about the size of Venezuela. Um, and some people were kind of confused. They were asking me, okay, well, where exactly is the triangle area? Because the show kind of shows a spinning triangle. But basically, it goes as far north as Barrow, which they've actually renamed. Um, and it's some native Alaskan name that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, down to Anchorage and then over to Juneau, down to Juneau. So you can kind of see it there. That's that's the area. It's extremely large, actually. People don't really realize how large Alaska is um, because it's just so far up north and, um, you know, you usually see it in like a little, when you see a map in the United States, you see it in like a little box down at the, the bottom of the uh, map, but it is extremely huge. Um, like Texas, which is you know, um, what's that? that's the second largest state. It's like you get three of them in Alaska or something like that. It's like crazy. So, um, yeah, it's huge. And so, you know, planes have gone in and out of there, have gone missing, um, or they've crashed. Uh, ships have gone missing or have crashed. Um, you know, a lot of different things, strange disappearances of people. Um, they did cover the hairy man, and um, we'll get into Bigfoot and stuff like that. Um, I'm not going to get into Bigfoot on this episode. Uh, but there's a lot of strange things that happen up there that people attribute to a phenomenon like the Bermuda Triangle in which um, there is electromagnetic activity that's happening up there that's causing these different things to happen. That instrumentation will get all kinds of wonky and, I mean, 
when I was up there, I was stationed up there, uh, 1992, 1995, when I was in the Air Force, and um, <laughs> there was an incident where a plane took off from the local airport, from the public airport, and an engine fell off of it and crashed into a parking lot uh, of a supermarket. Fortunately, it was on the back side of it. And nobody was hurt. Um, some shrapnel fell into some uh, some apartment buildings. Fortunately, um, you know, like one woman said, it like crashed through her ceiling, and uh, but nobody was hurt. Uh, so people were very fortunate. But yeah, the whole engine just fell off. So weird stuff happens up there. It's crazy. Um, so Robert Hanna is asking about, do you think these portals are also responsible for some of the Bermuda Triangle disappearances as well? So that was one of the things, um, you know, about that episode that they showed. So that was uh, uh, Bruce Gurman, who actually had an incident in the Bermuda Triangle where he believes he flew through a portal because he, he basically saw the tunnel um, and he flew through that. And it was one of those weird time lapses where, you know, he lost um, or basically kind of like sped up. The trip that he took from the island that he was coming from usually took an hour and 20 minutes. And after going through this tunnel um, and all of a sudden he pops out and there's Miami, it was like only 45. So where did those, you know, missing minutes go? I mean, well, not really missing minutes. You know, how did he get sped up so fast, really? Um, You know, he was kind of like slingshotted um you know a lot faster so it's um yeah it's just kind of crazy but that's kind of the things that happen so missy stevens blackman says i live here in alaska it's a whole other kind of feel up here it really is um just the three years that uh, i spent up there i mean it was just completely different than anything else that i've ever experienced um i mean i, I know some people really love it up there they really some people really enjoy living up there uh, me personally I kind of feel bad for the people that live up there. Uh, I just, it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place to go visit, see, sightsee, do stuff up there, go skiing, go fishing, all that type of stuff. I mean, we went, you know, to go see Orca. Um, lots of wonderful things up up there like that. But it it's a drag through the wintertime. Um, I was, where I was stationed at, I worked in a secure facility um in in the basement and if i didn't go out for lunch that day i didn't see the sun that's the exact opposite that's during the winter time it's the exact opposite uh during the summer where it's like light all the time it gets to like a dusk and then it lightens back up so it's it's really interesting um but the length of the cold season is, is pretty long so um um, so Diane Hilbert says she thinks the Douglas was beamed up by a spaceship. Um, and then there's the idea that it did actually go through a portal, um, through, yeah, like Victoria Monday is asking down there, wormhole, and is now lost in another dimension. That's kind of what we ended up getting to on that show was that, um, you know, this electromagnetic current, okay, um, electromagnetism originates from the earth and there's certain points along the earth where that electromagnetism is a lot more active um and there's you know some different possible reasons as to why like um you know maybe the the crust could be thinner there uh we talk about and we've had like we've had freddie silva on the show and we've talked about like the telluric current so basically that's the earth's energy grid and the currents that run um you know, across the planet 
And the ancients figured out how to tap into that. So when we see a lot of these different ancient sites of power, like we're talking like the pyramids and Stonehenge and places like that, where um, they had figured out how to tap into that and be able to utilize it. Now, there's a lot of different theories as to what they actually used it for, spiritual energy. Some people think that it was actually used for real electric power and things like this. And we just simply don't really know. We keep speculating on that and trying to figure out different things in regards to that, uh, but we honestly don't know for sure. Um, you know, up there in Alaska, I mean, you see, people ask about the Aurora Borealis, and which is beautiful. Um, and of course, you see that during the wintertime. You don't, you don't see it during the summer because it never gets dark enough. Um, you know, but basically, that's the, um, uh, basically energy from the sun, you know, those, um, those bursts from the sun that are, basically bouncing off the ionosphere and creating that that glow. Um, you used to be able to see it down this way a lot more uh, often back in the day before all the light pollution from the cities. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And that's, you can kind of see, you know, the Earth's magnetism being utilized there. The, the Earth's, um, uh, the magnetism of the Earth helps create a shield from a lot of those solar flares that get shot at us from the sun. Um, if, if not for that, then we would be irradiated and, and toast. So that, um, that magnetic field from the earth helps with that, but there's certain points along the earth or around the globe that that magnetism affects other things. We, we have a lot of electronic equipment, so we're doing things, um, you know, with electronics and mechanics that you know, are, are affected by magnets. So, um, when one of those things you know, flares up, or if we get an extra, you know, the, the magnetic uh, zone will only reflect so much. If you get a really, really strong flare from the sun, we've seen that affect electronic objects here on Earth if it's a really strong one. So, but it also, you know, we get that magnetism from the from inside the Earth, and it affects things around the globe. So, um, just searching here for questions real quick. Um... So, Missy Stevens Blackman asking, Mike, do you guys talk about the Black Pyramid up here? Um, in the segments that I was um, filmed for, no, I, I wasn't asked about the Black Pyramid, but that doesn't mean it's not covered. So, what I was told was that I was going to have um, two episodes that were that was basically I was the feature, and then I would be scattered about through some of the other episodes. So I know that there's, of the five days it's going to run, I'm on three of the days. Um, so I don't know. Some One of the other guys may be talking about that. And you have a lot of great talent that's on that show, really smart people. So um, they might have one of the other guys talking about it. I'm not sure. So, um, so all right. So Victoria Monday, do you think the solar flares affect the triangles? Sure. Um, you know, the the sun is the has the greatest impact on the earth, you know, from, you know, weather to heat to the solar flares. Um, that has the greatest effect on us. Uh, number two would be, you know, the earth's, the earth's own uh, energy, the magma, um, thermal venting, all of that stuff, basically stuff coming out of the center of the earth um, is, is number two. So um, they do, they do collide and affect each other. So 
uh, which causes all kinds of stuff to uh, to happen here on Earth. So um, I could take a couple other questions about um, the Alaska Triangle, or, and because uh, we've already been on it for probably like a good fifteen minutes, we have some other stuff I wanted to uh, get to, but it's all related. So. Um, if you guys, uh, I mean, you can ask some other questions throughout the show, of course, as well. So, uh, and Missy, I'm glad you like this sh- the show so far. Yeah, keep watching it. There's some good stuff coming up for sure, for sure. Uh, Diane, was it really cold when you went to Alaska to film the show? So I went in, it was the beginning of May. So, you know, it was like a spring day. Um, our filming was on the side of uh, Flat Top Mountain outside of Anchorage. And it was cold up on the mountain. You know, there, there was still snow up at the top. We didn't go all the way up to the top. Uh, we were kind of basically on the side there. Um, and, yeah, it was um, it was starting to get chilly, really chilly, a lot later in the day. Um, and I was, I was hurting there <laughs> after a little while because it was, you know, I'm watching the show and it's like, you know, all these guys are like, Except for the the one that was in the airplane, all these guys are in a nice warm room somewhere. I'm on the side of this cold mountain with the wind blowing, and they had me sitting on um, a camera case, and I, I can't remember if it was like a guy's jacket or some little pad or something that they put on it. But it's like it was a little uncomfortable, but um, but it all worked. I mean, they did a great job of of shooting the show. Um, the, the camera guides were great. They were wonderful. Um, you know, everybody was just, it was a class act. So, um, it was, uh, wild dreams entertainment. Those guys that filmed it, they were the production company and, you know, they had the, they had sold it to, to travel channel. So, um, yeah, they were, they were great. It was just a little chilly up there on the mountain, but down in Anchorage, cause I did stuff, um, um, cause I came in the night before, um, and so I did some stuff around Anchorage and um, the park and all that stuff uh, beforehand, the, the, the day before, and then it was the following day. So it was nice that day. It was it was basically a spring day. So, um, and no, Tom, I couldn't see the lights uh, when I was there. So it starts, the day start extending. So um, Robert and Hannah, have been, there have been a lot of UFO sightings in the Alaska Triangle. Uh, there, so... They covered a little bit about UFOs on that particular episode. I do know that there is another episode that has more about UFO sightings in Alaska, so you'll have to be patient for that one. So I know some of what's being talked about in uh, a few of the other episodes, but I don't know all. Um, but yeah, they will get into more of that stuff. So if you're interested in UFO sightings in Alaska, stay tuned for sure. So... Um, so Chris Stanton saying a lot of good info coming through the chat. That's good. That's good. Um, Justin Brown, I also heard about limestone, a quartz crystal in the ground can cause magnetic anomalies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, limestone. And then, you know, like Shauna and I talk about it uh, quite a bit here, uh, you know, up and down the river because you have – the, the bluffs along the river are limestone deposits, and then you have the water. So um, it's one of the reasons why her hometown is seems to be so particularly haunted. We've, we've talked about, you know, she'll talk about the cafe there. We covered the Goldenrod, the, uh, the school that we've gotten so much crazy activity at. Um, and basically, you know, these, these places are right there, limestone and water. So, yeah, um, that really amps up the activity. 
Okay, so um, see if you guys was that a question? Okay, Sean is asking about uh, if someone's coming out to the Paracon. All right, so yeah, we do have the Paracon in June. So if you want to get a taste of that, because Alton right there along the river, Limestone Bluffs, extremely haunted town. Um, a lot of people consider a lot of people consider it uh, the most haunted small town in America. It does have a lot of haunts in Mineral Springs, which we'll get to here in a moment. Is one of those uh, more particularly haunted locations. So. All right, so I did want to, that was the Alaska Triangle. Um, I did want to get a little bit into uh, some of the mounds around the country um, because they do seem to, um, they do seem to reflect a lot of this particular type of activity. So um, Spyro Mounds, I had an interesting thing happen here. Uh, at Spiral Mounds, a couple of interesting things. So that is in the middle there. You see that road and then down at the bottom uh, or in the middle of that uh, is what they call the Brown Mound. Now, there used to be a temple on that mound and you, you kind of see a line through it and that's basically a line that they've um, gone through with a lawnmower so that you can walk up on there. It's not a burial mound. Uh, this one's a burial mound, but we'll get to that in a, in a moment. Uh, 80% of the mounds in America are not burial mounds. Um, you know, that's kind of a, mis a misconception is that, you know, all these Native American mounds are burial mounds. No, they're not all. In fact, most are not. Uh, and this particular one had once been a temple. Now, they do believe there are some things within that structure still. And one of the interesting that, thing that happened there, uh, some of you may remember the live stream that I tried to conduct from up there while we were doing an investigation. And when, when I went on top of the mound, now this is kind of out there a little bit, so the signal was not good to begin with. But when I was on the mound, it would just cut out, cut out, cut out. Get down off the mound, it was fine. And so it went up there, up and down a couple of times to test that out. And so I'm basically being shown that there is certainly some sort of activity going on there at the mound whether it's a portal or a vortex, not really sure. Definitely some sort of electromagnetic activity that is interfering with the signal from the phone. Again, this happened with the other mound too. So, and there, there's several mounds, but there's two that we particularly investigated. So the other one, um, which is the burial mound. Now this one you can't go up because uh, it is a burial mound. It was actually desecrated during the 1930s. There was a commercial company that came in and actually dug in through there, uh, which is very tragic. But from the, uh, let me go back to the other photo here. So from this one, the brown mound, you come down this path that goes down and then off the photo. Um, that takes you to this mound, the burial mound. Again, you can't go up there, but as I neared it, the signal cut out again. So between the two mounds, everything was perfectly fine. But then once I got near to that mound, the signal cut out again. So, um, yeah, there's, there's certainly something to these different... This would be considered a site of power, really, especially the one with the with the temple, because that, that was the religious center for the culture at that time. And then you're talking about a burial mound where, you know, those cultures did bury what they consider you know powerful items uh with their with their deceased and so burial mound a temple mount a lot of energy coming from those two and 
you know, the live stream that I was trying to do at the time, you know, was, was evidence to that. Everything in between was perfectly fine. You would think being out there a bit, you get onto some higher ground, signal's going to be better. Nope, it wasn't. It was actually worse. So, um, guys are down there talking about the Paracon, which is fantastic. Um, let's see. Okay, Robert Hanna is talking about ley lines. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Um, Sharon McLean, uh, no bueno to dig at a native mound site. Yeah, that was they. They shut that. They shut that down once people realized that they were actually digging into a um, uh, a burial mound. That that company was shut down, but they had already done so much damage. Um, in fact, they had to try to build this back up a little bit because of all the damage that they had done. Um, another one that's interesting is the uh, Great Circle Earthworks in Newark, Ohio. This is a drone shot from there. Um, I, I don't actually have a drone shot of the mound in question that I'm about to talk about, but you can kind of see the enclosure there and then the walkway to get into the circle. And it was while I was taking this, this is just a screen cap, it was while I was taking this footage here that I had a fully charged battery going into this thing. And usually uh, with my drone, I get about 20, 24 minutes, which is pretty good for a drone. But I take off from what they call the Eagle Mound. They don't think that's what it originally was, but the way it's kind of formed over the years, and there's a big tree on there, that's that's what they call it. Um, it was a fairground for a while when, um, you know, back in the 1800s. It's been used for a lot of different stuff, but there's still this interesting shaped mound. So I take off from there with my drone with a fully charged battery. And five minutes later, as I've, you know, just up there getting some photos, getting a little video footage, it starts yelling at me that the battery power is low and it immediately starts to land. It's like, are you kidding me? So being directly in the Eagle Mound is kind of like right in the center of, you know, the great circle there. You know, all of a sudden, battery drain. So these sites like this, you know, have a power to them that, you know, cutting out cell phone signal, draining batteries, and the ancients, again, we talked about a little bit before, knew that when they built these structures that there was an energy within the ground that they were tapping into to use for, you know, whether it was ceremonial purposes or trying to actually use that energy as a power source. There's, again, a lot of different speculation to that. Some people think that it was used for healing powers, and, and maybe so. So um, this is where we're going to get into ley lines, like you're uh, talking about there, Robert. So um, so Justin, did you try to measure the EMF on or around the ground? Um, I mean, I did have, I'm trying to think here. That was, because um, it was a couple of years ago now. I mean, I had a couple of uh, EMF meters out. I'd have to go through the footage again. Um, I never actually posted any of the investigation footage for that because it was just such a such a mess. Um, the live stream's still up there. Um, that was one of the that was one of the times where I actually tried for those kind of more into the witchy shit. Um, where I did some, I don't use it very often, but it's like I'm going to try it because I'm up there. I had a pendulum, um, and so I actually tried the pendulum from up there and was um, getting some activity with that. Um, I'm just trying to think here. I mean, we did have some EMF meters that were going off a little bit, but I can't remember the exact numbers 
Uh, but it's a good question, Justin. Justin always has good questions. So, um, Victoria Monday, Chaco Canyon, whatever it's called. <laughs> yes, Chaco Canyon. <laughs> um, it's CHA. <laughs> uh, is on a ley line. Yeah, Chaco Canyon is amazing. I got uh, to visit there back in November uh, after the Shockfest Film Festival and absolutely loved it. Um, spent spent like an entire day at just two of the sites and the place is massive and huge so I definitely need to go back um, but again another one um, where they they built that to worship uh, the star people and do different ceremonies they didn't really live there um, you know they came there during different times of the year and used it and then they went back home um, but it's the whole thing's like astrally aligned and yeah it's on one of those ley lines so Let's get into the ley lines. All right. So bring this up. Um, so basically, ley line, okay, and this is an example of one, the Apollo-Athena energy lines through Europe. Um, so there's a difference between what a ley line is and the actual energy itself, or what would be called like a telluric current. And when we had Freddie Silva on last year, you know, we had to ask him, okay, what what is the difference here? And he's kind of like one of the authorities on this. He's written extensively about it. Basically, what the ley line is, is this, a recognition of these different sites like this. So these are, um, you know, basically temples and what have you that are designated to Apollo and Athena up and down this line. But the lay itself is basically recognizing that these things all line up. That's the ley line. But the reason why they all line up on this is because of the people who built them tapping into the energy that was in the ground, this current, this energy grid line. You know, they recognized the power there. They built their temple there. And then people later on noticing them lining up, that's the ley line. So they're, of course, extremely related, but actually there's a little bit of a difference there. And you see this all around the world. So that's the one. That's the, um, Apollo Athena. This is the Michael Mary uh, line through uh, through Great Britain, and you know basically these all ended up like uh, you know, cathedrals, churches, things like this uh, to the Archangel Michael and then to Mary, and they're just all up and down uh, in a line like this, and. You know, they're, again, on top of this energy current that is runs across the globe. And we see this, you know, with all different types of sites of power. Um, I always say, <laughs> I always say Pyramid, Stonehenge. That's the, that's the two that people remember. But uh, Gobekli Tepe, uh, Victoria mentioned the, um, you know, Chaco Canyon. And so it's, it's all these different sites around the world that, you know, they were built there to harness that energy. Um, there's other, you know, hinges and circles. Uh, Karnak in France there is another one that's, that's built on one of these. So it's just, it's, a, it's amazing how over time we have forgotten about that. But we're kind of rediscovering it now. You know, we're, we're recognizing, um, you know, what the ancients had done. There's a lot of people who don't want to recognize it, but our community is, which is great. And we need to keep researching and discovering more about this. So um, Shauna's talking about Cahokia. 
that's another one. The energy was amazing. Uh, yeah, we didn't really have any devices up there because we were doing something. What were we doing? Uh, we went to go uh, tour something else that day. And so we were just taking photos and what have you. So we didn't have any equipment with us. But um, yeah, Cahokia was really uh, interesting. Um, yeah, Justin Brown being a Southern Ohio native, I definitely do my homework on all the history of the earthworks. Um, yeah, like Serpentine Mound, that's another great one. Um, yeah, Ohio. Ohio's fortunate that it still has um, a number of those left, but another tragedy of America is that um, to create more farmland, they basically just plowed the stuff over. And so most of our ancient mounds are, are gone. I think it's like um, upwards of over 70% of them were obliterated. And, and that might even be low. Uh, there, there's so much that we've lost to development. You know, there's only you know, a handful of them left. Uh, so there, that's a real tragedy. But Ohio has quite a few. Um, you, you look for you know, like ancient America and, and there you go, Ohio. Who would have known? <laughs> I'm an Ohio native, so you know, gotta gotta shout out for uh, for my homies over there. Um, but um, yeah, and another thing that would happen back in um, the 1800s, and I forget the guys, the specific guy's name offhand. You know, a lot of people you know throw the Smithsonian under the bus. Um, you know, with a number of different things. You know, they talk about, you know, what happened to the giants and stuff like that. And people always blame the Smithsonian. But there was a, a mandate, basically, by... Um, somebody know his name? Throw it down there in the chat. Uh, the guy who was basically running the Smithsonian at the time. That anything that they came across that was pre-Columbian, so before Christopher Columbus discovered America, that they just considered heathen and you could obliterate it. So they didn't want to preserve anything that was before Christopher Columbus, you know, and this was all based on religion that, you know, it had to be, you know, something that was, you know, Christian some way, shape or form, which is, which is a terrible, um, I'm not going to get into religion here, but that was basically the deal, you know, it was pre-Columbian, it's heathen, obliterate it and erase it. And so we lost so much history to crap like that. So, um... Justin Brown says, Grave Creek Mound is an Adena Mound and is the highest Adena Mound on record. Awesome. Uh, it's also on a ley line. Yeah. Yeah. So you just start lining these, thing, these things up because they were building them on that energy. And you just look at the way that, um, oh, what what's the one there, um, Justin? It's by Chillicati. Um, basically, it's, it's south of the one in Newark. But um, there's the way they line up is just like, you know, amazingly uh, accurate that they were able to uh, put them together like that so many miles apart from each other because they're like well, like a good 60 miles apart from each other or something like that. Uh, but they, they align perfectly together. So, um, yeah, Tim, there's, there's a mound there over by, uh, I mean, that's why it's called Moundsville Prison in West Virginia. Um, yeah. So, um, so that was ley lines. We're going to kind of switch gears here for um, a little bit. Actually, I, I'll, I'll skip and come back uh, because we did, you did have the question about water, limestone, the ley lines, stuff like that. Um, and you guys are also down there talking about Paracon. So let me get to real quick um, 
Mineral Springs. So I'm going to click all this stuff off. So Mineral Springs Hotel, um, you know, right there on the Mississippi River, you got the limestone bluffs. Uh, basically, the river would be from this picture to the right. You can actually kind of see it on the very right-hand side of the photo. Um, there's, you see a little bit of the amphitheater, and then there's the river. On the left, what you can't see are the limestone bluffs. And the Mineral Springs Hotel is kind of built into this. And the old Mineral Spring is down there in the basement. It's a hole in the floor. Uh, it's been filled in, but you it's still an open hole into uh, the earth where they were getting uh, that water out of, and they were bottling it, you know, um, and, and selling. But then they also had a, a, one of the pools there uh, was a mineral spring pool. The other one was was uh, a regular pool. Um, but it's an extremely, extremely haunted hotel. <laughs> um, you know, different energies on every single level of it. Um, the basement... And when I upload this to YouTube, I'll, I'll include the clip of the upflow vortex that's down there in the basement. Lee Ehrlich um, was watching it on his, uh, his phone. Uh, Coyote Chris Sutton was down there with us, and you know, he started talking about, yeah, yeah, that's the upflow vortex that's, um, that's down there. And basically, an upflow um, would be a, a more positive uh, type of energy, a more positive current that is, is coming up. Uh, from the earth so um, there's also the talk of a of the portal in the in the bathroom off the uh, great ballroom that everybody calls the portal potty but it's just interesting things happen there but that um, that basement is uh, there's definitely things that happen down there things that move around things that have been seen heard what have you there's not a demon sorry um, there's just not but um yeah, that entire hotel, you know, from the abandoned pool to upstairs in Pearl's room. I was upstairs last year at the Paracon in the one hallway where there were five of us, me, Shauna, Tomic, Nicholas, Nick Moulet, Dustin Samario. That's where we saw uh, the little girl that she's supposed to be hanging out in the one room. We've never seen her in the one room that's over there or even caught an EVP of her in that room or anything like that. But... That was where I saw the rolling smoke coming up from down the hallway, and then she morphed into the little girl. And there were five of us who saw her last year. So extremely haunted location and a lot of interesting energy that basically you have this building that's sitting on top of a hole in the ground. And even though there's stuff packed into that hole, it's sinking. The stuff in the hole is sinking. Don't step on it. Um, But it's... You know, it's an open passageway into the earth right there between limestone bluffs and water. And this is a route. You got the the, um, the Piasaw Caves right up the road. And then a little bit further down river are the, are the Cahokia Mountains. So, you know, you have this thoroughfare for, you know, the Native Americans, which they recognize as power, river, limestone, yeah, you have all the workings of an amazingly uh, haunted and actively energetic location. Uh, so you can check all that out, Hunter Road Media Paracon, June 12th and 13th. <laughs> check out HunterRoadMedia.com for all the information. Now, we also have a Facebook event up. So yeah, that was a blatant plug. <laughs> Absolutely blatant. Um, had to throw it out there. But you guys are talking about it down in chat anyway. So uh, absolutely. Um Okay, and so that's, okay, Justin, that's what you're talking about. Hopewell Na- uh, Natural Historic Park, Mound City. 
Okay, is in Chillicothe, Ohio, as largest Dina Mount group on record. Yeah, and that's well, I'm saying that is. Um, I forget the degrees or whatever it is that it's aligned perfectly to uh, the great uh, earthworks there at uh, in Newark. So um, it's really interesting. All right, so let's see if you guys have any other questions down there in chat. Um, yeah, Sharon McLean, the limestone and water in the area is like a freaking paranormal amplifier. Same thing at Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs. Yep, yep. I actually haven't been to uh, Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs. I always, when I lived in Oklahoma and the team was making that trip, they made it a couple times and I always seemed to miss it for some reason. So, um, hey, Larry Eisler's down in the house. So uh, check out their Ghosts of Blackhawk War book, uh, him and Dan Norvell. So, all right, moving on from... That and that was quite a bit. Um, we'll get into because still it's it's related. Um, so this is kind of interesting. Um, I, I created this list here. I keep forgetting to go to it because um, there's a, a lot of people who try to discredit the whole ley line earth energy grid. Um, you know, sacred sites of power and being able to use that that energy. Um, saying it's not very scientific. However, the scientific community actually does have many uses for earth energy that they they use today. Um, so that includes mineral exploration, petroleum exploration, mapping fault zones, uh, groundwater exploration, magma chamber exploration, um, and if I can read my own writing, <laughs> NASA says that they follow... Uh, or following water underground leads them to find earth magnetism. So, uh, so there's a lot of different ways that science actually uses these, these energy lines. Now, we were talking a little bit before earlier, so we'll get into uh, different ways this could possibly be used. So I have a section, we're going to get into inter interdimensional stuff here. I have a section in the book on interdimensional beings, what I think like a true shadow person is. I'm not getting into shadow... Uh, person stuff here but there's an example that um that i'm going to show here this is going back to alaska triangle real quick um i should have covered it then but the way i did my notes i was just throwing stuff on the paper and it's like yeah, it wasn't really in a good order but um i'm gonna throw this up on the screen and you guys are gonna look at it like what in the world is he showing us so that's this this if you guys um who have heard the story many times at Johnny V's. This is a this is a preview, a little uh, sneak peek from the book um, of something that I put together to illustrate a, a point here. So the story is with Johnny V's, and I walk in, and the shadow person blew through this door, and you heard the bang of it, um, but it didn't actually move like at all. So. This is what I think happened. This is actually brought up in the Alaska Triangle when we start talking about uh, portals and what happened to that missing Douglas airplane and could it possibly be in another dimension. Um, there's the uh, the moment where uh, we start talking about the radio chatter that um, the military was hearing this radio chatter. They thought it might have been the missing Douglas. was having a hard time hearing exactly what the chatter was and then it ended up disappearing. So, and they could never pinpoint where that chatter was coming from. So, some speculate that it may actually, you know, that the Douglas may have gotten sucked into this portal, and then that chatter is coming from another dimension. And so, this is where I bring up Johnny V's. 
Um, so with this particular shadow person incident, what I believe happened is that we were on two planes of existence at the same time and those were overlapping. I was able to see that shadow person on its plane of existence and when I walked into that kitchen, it saw me. And so when it took off, it flew right through that door on its plane of existence. But since I'm on my own plane of existence, I didn't see it that, that door actually move. However, sound is on a different wavelength. And because it was on a different wavelength, it was able to traverse from one dimension to another. And so I was actually able to hear the slam of that door. So the idea with this portal activity, um, with going back to the Alaska Triangle, this portal activity in this particular situation. So this plane, like what happened in the Bermuda Triangle with birth, uh, with Bruce Gernon, um, it ended up in that wormhole, in that portal, in that vortex. Bruce was able to fly out of it and ended up in Miami way far ahead of time. These guys in the Douglas did not. They may have, this is speculation, this is conjecture, this is certainly theory, ended up, when they went into that portal, in another dimension. We were no longer able to see them. But for a short period of time, as those dimensions still kind of overlapped a little bit, we were able to hear them, much like I was able to hear that door slam. So seems a little far out there when they threw it out there on the show. I understand that. I had people that I worked with <laughs> when I was at uh, when I was in Ohio yesterday and working the job from the office. Um one woman, Chris, was giving me a, bar, a bit of a hard time about the whole vortex thing. But so, and Chris is a nice woman, but some people it's just a little, it's a little above, you know, it's a little out there. Um, but this is the idea that, you know, there are other dimensions, other places in space and time that somehow, some way we're able to access. And the idea with, um, the Alaska Triangle is this is a place that's highly magnetized um, and these portals and vortices open up sometimes and allow things to pass back and forth through. So, and sound, being on a different wavelength, was able to get through um, a little easier at that point than the physical uh, manifestation of the plane itself. So, um Bree Jones, so Mike sees shadow person like a visit from another time, a time traveler, in in a sense. So it's a good question because there is a possibility that I I may have seen another point in time. You know, was that I don't know ten years beforehand, and it was a it was a guy, not an actual interdimensional being. I think it was an interdimensional being, but you know, was it a human from ten years ago that blew through the door? You know, somebody could make that argument, and I would have, I, I would have to say, that's an interesting argument. Maybe I think it was an interdimensional being. Is an inter it could a human be an interdimensional being? Because what I just described with the Douglas was just like I made a Douglas interdimensional because came from our dimension to some other dimension, right? So you can make the argument for sure. Um, 
Tracy Christian, can limestone stir up paranormal in a place that has limestone walls built into it? Yeah, so, you know, people, uh, paranormal investigators do like to say, hey, if you have like a basement made with limestone bricks, then you, you might have some issues down there with activity. Um, Justin Brown, interdimensional sound resonance is a hypothesis I've been working on. Well, that's kind of what that illustration's all about, my friend. <laughs> it's exactly what all that's about. Um, Sharon McLean, I've heard that Los Alamos Labs are working on the dimensional portal thing, quote-unquote thing. Yeah, Los, Los Alamos seems to be up to a lot, and they don't recognize that Bob Lazar actually worked for them when he did. So, um, yeah, they're up to a lot of stuff down there for sure. Uh, Bree Jones, Mike, you're making me think of the portal in Star Trek, the next generation, when they could walk through the window. Well, you mentioned window. You mentioned window, because there is a, another thing that I, I do have here um, that can work like portals. That's mirrors. So there is an idea, especially if you have two mirrors um facing each other that you can create a portal uh with a mirror and there are people who do um that do report seeing many different things in mirrors there's also an interesting idea that um that older mirrors like from 100 200 you know 250 years ago older mirrors um that actually had a silver backing to it um so you can see the the reflection you know our new mirrors don't don't have actual silver um but older mirrors did and so uh people made the argument that because you could have a, a more electrically charged environment with the silver or the silver could possibly use some sort of electric current or whatever to help feed that portal coming through that mirror and you know mirrors over the millennia you know like when somebody passes away you know all the mirrors are covered in the house because they don't you know it, you might say it's superstition but people did believe that you know they wanted the soul to be able to basically float off to heaven they didn't want the soul to get trapped into the mirror and then be stuck at the house or even go off to some other world or dimension or something they wanted to make sure that the soul you know went on its way and didn't get stuck elsewhere so they would cover up the mirrors um there's a lot a lot of different uh interesting mirror lore um but um but yeah the portals are definitely uh, one of those things associated with mirrors that, um, you know, like scrying mirrors. I mean, it's a different type of mirror. Uh, it's basically covered in black or it's a uh, it's a black surface that's used for divination. You know, either, you know, to look back into the past or to look into the future. So there's a lot of different uses, uh, you know, for these types of devices. And to create a portal is one of them as well. And we've seen it on investigations before, Um like for instance, when a few years ago now, investigating the Bel Air house with uh, my friend Copperhead Greg Graham and um, the owner Kristen Lee was was there during this segment as well. There's some live streams, or I think we did a Facebook live on that. And I ended up posting it um, to to YouTube as like a big, huge video um, for the investigation. And the the altar room there, for whatever reason, I had two mirrors at the time facing each other one was um 
I think one was on the floor, but against the one wall and the other was like mounted to a bureau or something. It was some sort of configuration like that, but they were facing each other. And we were getting like all kinds of crazy like EMF hits uh, up there at that time. And so it kind of led us to believe this might be actually, we might, we might be seeing some of that uh, portal activity going on, even though we're not seeing like entities manifest before our very eyes or whatever. We were kind of getting some of that EMF, uh, EMF activity that could adhere to some of those different theories about mirror portal activity. So it was pretty interesting. Definitely. Um, see what else you guys have down here? I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. And we are getting close to our hour. Um, yeah, everybody's saying mirror, mirror on the walls. <laughs> I know. Um, so Missy Stevens Blackman asks, I've never seen so many shadow people as I have seen up here. You think with harp and the ions that were being shot up in the atmosphere could have affected the Alaska Triangle. I haven't done any research uh, if there's been more paranormal things now or before it was turned on, but you're making my brain think. Um, that's a good question. So I haven't, I haven't really looked into like shadow person phenomenon regionally um, in the sense that Okay, I have a chapter, again, back to A Walk in the Shadows. I have a chapter in the book on shadow people throughout world history because uh, I make a point that shadow people are a world phenomenon that has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Um, that, and basically, it, it, I, I'm specifically targeting old hag syndrome because the medical community likes to talk about old hag syndrome, shadow people. They like to say shadow people are just a hallucination due to sleep paralysis when you're waking up from, from sleep, which I see shadow people all the time in all kinds of different situations, not just sleeping. I'm not going to get into all of that right now. Um, and the fact that I see all kinds of, or I, I dream about all kinds of things, so you'd think I would see more than just a shadow person in my room if that had been the situation. We also see people, uh, shadow people without sleep paralysis, let alone not sleeping. In any case, um, but I was trying to make a point that um, this is a phenomenon that cultures from across the world that had no contact with each other at all for thousands of years were describing the same exact thing happening in their part of the world within their culture and they had yeah they had their own like legends and folklore and stuff around it but the the grain of truth was still there about what they were experiencing this this person this culture might have called it one thing another culture called it another thing um one might have called it a witch another might have called it a demon whatever it was still describing the same phenomenon and so it it is a world phenomenon shadow people are everywhere they do have access all over the place now it is a good question as to whether or not because um of the of the portal activity of the vortices, uh, the electromagnetism in the Alaska Triangle, are there more shadow people up there? Um, I did experience a, um, a couple things up there in Alaska, nothing really significant. Uh, our, the building that I worked in, um, primarily, because I worked in a couple different buildings, but the one that was there the last couple years uh, that I primarily worked in, the Alaska Command Building uh, on Elmendorf, that basement uh, had an absolute creep factor to it. Um, there was a lot of people reported stuff down there that they were seeing, experiencing. Um, I remember when I gave uh, my mom and my sister the tour of the place. My mom was creeped up, creeped out down there. Um, what's interesting, you talk about like legends and folklore and stories and, and things that uh, people like to talk about. So 
Um, the entire time I was there, you know, because people were seeing things, were getting creeped out, and some was shadowy. Sure. Um, people talked about that the building itself had once been a hospital, and that was we were in the morgue, and where our server racks were at were where the coolers had been. And it, yeah, sure, it looked like a room that would be exactly that. Um, the building itself did look like, sure, this it could have absolutely been a hospital. So I ended up doing some research on it not too long ago, come to find out, nope, it wasn't a hospital. It, it has always been the building it is now. It's always been the Alaska Command building. <laughs> um, you know, so... You know, where the stories came from about, you know, the hospital and the morgue and all that, I don't know. And, but it could be due to the fact that people were seeing all this weird shit down there, not knowing where it was coming from. And that was that could be the story that they created to explain what they were seeing. Why would we be seeing paranormal activity down here if people hadn't died here? You know, so it's interesting how, uh, how people come up with stuff. So that doesn't really answer your question as to is... Is there more shadow person activity going on up there? I mean, I would have to do some extensive research and basically start tallying and calculating shadow people experiences and where people were at and stuff like that to really figure that out. So, um, see what else you guys have here. I think that about... I didn't really get to talking about the creepy tree portal in, um, in Ashmore. Ashmore Cemetery in Ashmore, Illinois. Um, I'll talk about it here real quick um, because that one uses trees. So using an organic material and the way they've configured the trees uh, at this cemetery that you walk in there and you just instantly feel it. The moment you walk into this grouping of trees and the way it's done, you immediately feel the energy there. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it's it's not like it's haunted. It's not like, you know, the, the bodies rising out of the ground or anything like that. It, it has nothing to do with the bodies that are there in the ground. It has to do with the configuration of these trees that they have created some sort of current there while you're there. And I have no idea if that was intentional, that they meant to do that for these particular graves that they're there. Maybe they're trying to create an energy um, for their loved ones that have been buried there. Don't know, but they... They achieved <laughs> they achieved portal activity there because you absolutely feel the energy there, uh, and what Shauna and I have called the creepy tree portal. So, and we did that's one okay. We did see a shadow person outside the uh, the portal there. So, um, I was standing. If you're looking uh, long ways down this configuration, there is a tree outside of this configuration it's kind of dead um tall but dead uh that's at the end of that and looking through it and i saw this person who i thought was shauna uh walk from basically that tree and then off to the side because i thought shauna was over there and then all of a sudden she says something like directly off to my right it's like whoa you know it's like i thought you were over there um you know i thought it was a person figure so was it a shadow person or an apparition or what i don't know because it was like it was quick so i'm not sure what type of um phenomenon i saw it was something though and it was in as a figure of a, of a person um 
but yeah, so that was like looking through it. Now, did the energy from that portal affect what I was looking at? I don't know. Um, but within that tree configuration and, um, I don't know if Jarrett Osborne is down there, uh, he and Crystal were there, um, with this, uh, the one time, I think it was last year. Um, so it's, uh, it's really interesting and I don't have, then I ran out of time. I don't have a photo of it here, uh, on the live stream. When I put it up on YouTube, I'll include the photo for it. But yeah, we've always called it the creepy tree portal because it's, it's basically using organic material, the trees, but you got to think about it. The tree roots are in the ground. And so they are naturally going to pull, uh, minerals you know, water and minerals from the ground into their being, into their body. Um, into the wood and so they are directly connected to whatever is in the ground in this configuration has basically it's it's taken that energy up into the trees and created this energy field there uh, within it so it's really interesting uh, we never really think of something like that with trees but it does happen so all right um i think that is probably going to Wrap it up, Justin Brown planned a breed. Charged particles or uh, ions is a fatal point that some paranormal researchers measure. I also have a theory that involves magnetic fields and ions. So, yeah, Justin does a lot of interesting research. Data point. I don't even know. <laughs> I know you meant data point. I still read it with the F. <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right. So um, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for this. I really appreciate everybody um, joining tonight and checking out, of course, the Alaska Triangle this past Sunday is going to be on again uh, this coming Sunday, February 16th, same time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. So it's 8 central. Um, yeah, I, I, coming into the show, they changed up some different things. They changed the days, they changed the times, they changed the episodes, but um, in the fact that they're doing two hours now instead of one hour, but basically it's set now. So February 16th, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, check it out. Um, and that'll be running for the next uh, few weeks. It's basically, they're going to be running five two-hour episodes. So, and then again, the interdimensional stuff that we talked about earlier is in A Walk in the Shadows. So if you haven't grabbed that, of course, grab that too. 